0: Rania, we're here in the Napa Retreat. How are you feeling?
1: Super excited.
0: I'm super excited. You just got off stage, you spoke, and it was, uh, it started off emotional, especially like when you were showing the pictures of uh, where you came from. Yeah. Why? Why did you go that route? I think
1: it's important for people to understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big part of who I became.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So how long have you lived here?
1: In the U.S.? Yeah. Since 2007.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And were you a practicing dentist back there or no?
1: Uh, In Montreal, yes.
0: Okay, okay.
1: I mean, uh, I was going through my residency.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you came here. And then, did anything need to change or no? Did you have to continue to take education or?
1: No, like between Canada and the U.S., it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Like you just have to take the boards as if you studied here. So it wasn't that, but...
0: Wow. And then you spoke. Talk to me about the hardest part, one of the hardest moments in your life. I
1: think I mentioned this because I feel a lot of female dentists go through a lot and no one ever speaks about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and today I wanted to mention this because it's, it's one of the moments that shaped me. So um, the story is I was working on a patient and I had a very good practice running smoothly, and I was 16 weeks pregnant, I started bleeding, and I could tell it was pretty bad from the look on my assistant's face. So I rolled myself out of the room, changed, came back, finished the procedure before going to the hospital and realizing I was having a miscarriage and had to go to surgery that same day.
0: Man, that was, um, how did your husband feel?
1: He didn't know I finished the procedure until very recently. He heard it on stage the first time. Uh And he was like, really? Why would you do that? Like the patient is numb. The procedure is half done. What did you expect me to do? But I mean, like the whole situation is extremely traumatic. Mm -hmm. And when I told a few of my female colleague, everyone, not everyone, but many of them have had a miscarriage, had to go to work the next day. Of uh, a lot dealt with these issues and mm-hmm. it doesn't come to light as much as it should.
0: Yeah, like people don't talk about it as much. Yeah. No. So what year was that?
1: Twenty eleven.
0: Okay. Right now you currently own a practice or no?
1: Not anymore. Okay. I had to sell my practices. Oryx was starting to take yeah. a lot of my time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had how many practices?
1: Uh, I had two and I was sharing one with one of my siblings.
0: Okay. How was that? How, how is it growing one practice and how is it different from growing the second one?
1: The first practice you're kind of trying, I had gone through the Koi Center, so I knew what kind of practice I really wanted. I was an associate in a very, very busy practice where I did not have time to connect with any of the patients where it was like a lot of running around and I was really tired of this mm-hmm. after two years. So when I opened my practice, it was more on my own terms. I wanted a fee for service. I wanted to do comprehensive exams. I wanted that kind of dentistry, and it worked out great. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it was a very profitable practice, very low overhead. Um, we turned it into a multi-specialty practice, and it just happened that my brother is an orthodontist, his wife is uh, a periodontist, oh, wow. and they started working a day yeah. here and there with me. So, uh, so we we geared it to that kind of more boutique specialty practice. Uh, and I was starting getting uh, the idea that maybe I should open a second one and I'll see if it would work the same way with the associates.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: wasn't as easy.
0: Really? Why?
1: You know, sometimes you don't think that on the education that you do matters. Uh-huh. And I had done all the courses at the Koi Center before that. I had done Panky's Pier, a lot of other CEs. Uh, and I think this is what was getting people to commit to larger treatment, to commit to a certain type of treatment. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit harder to replicate when it was younger associates and the other practice.
0: Gotcha. Were they not willing to learn or it was just too much for them or?
1: It was a longer road. It wasn't as fast to build as the first one.
0: Oh, OK. Because I feel like a lot of the times and maybe you had those conversations yesterday with they want to go to a second one, and sometimes it feels like, well, I, I figured out the right stuff to do in the first one. I'm just going to copy and paste that in the second one. Is that the right mentality or no?
1: In some cases it is, but sometimes like the secret sauce is used yeah. and you don't realize it until you have the, sec- the yeah. second location. So, so it depends on what type of practice. If you have a PPO practice um, there is busy, that you have your, um, your system set, And if people are coming because of the ambiance in the practice and the whole concept, then I would say, yes, it works. You can duplicate that practice over and over. Like between the second and third, it was a bit more systems, a bit more cookie cutter practice. Mm. It wasn't more geared on these specific specialists working together. So the first location became kind of the flagship where the other locations were referring the larger cases, the specialty cases to
0: Gotcha. So those are like bread and butter. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then that one was, okay, who who would a second location be for and not for? So let's just say like, Rania, you know, uh, I had my first practice. It's going great. I'm going to do a second practice now. The next question would be like, okay, why? Now, if I give you the why, what in your mind is like, that's not a good, you should not do another practice.
1: I think if your why is I was able to make a million in the first one, I'm going to make a million in the second one. And I'm not going to work there. And I'm already so busy, so overwhelmed with the first one. I would say a good reason to have a second one is I grew the first one. It's doing great. And we have all our systems figured out. So now we hire someone the next day. They go in the front and all the systems are there. They know this is how we check in a patient. This is how we... Um, do the treatments. This is how we check out the patient. The doctors in the back have all their systems. I think in these cases it makes a lot of sense to start a practice.
0: Gosh. Would it make a lot of sense to start a practice if you're doing it and then you say okay, I capped out. There's too many. I, I can't accept any more new patients. I should open a second location. Is that a good reason or not?
1: I would try to expand in the second location. What I found is when we opened our second location, it wasn't too far from the first one. It was about two miles. Mm. Uh, and if most of your ads are online, you're competing against yourself. Yeah. So it was a bit of the competition going. So thankfully, most of our patients were word of mouth referrals, but they still went online, read reviews, and uh, in that part, we were competing against each other. If you're at capacity in one location, try to expand that location and not open very close to it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a great idea when we did it. Oh, okay. I would say, but if you're at capacity and you're doing great and you can't expand in this location and you want to expand in another location. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Would you recommend, hey, maybe you should try and drop some insurances first or get different cases, learn to do Bigger complex cases or, or not just be like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Go open her.
1: My sister asked me for that advice. I, I started with no insurances because I hear everyone saying that it's so hard to drop insurances. And I'll tell you, like in my practice, I started with no insurances. Some people found me from my associate job where we took every insurance. And some of the people that I thought really liked me. That would never, ever leave me called. And the minute we told them, we don't take your insurance, they're like, we're not coming. Uh, And some people that I never thought cared for me or they're like, whatever.
0: They (laughs) They just take
1: my insurance. They're like, oh, my God, you gave us the best care and they showed up. Mm. So that when I was giving my sister the advice, I said, if you start taking insurances and you drop it, you don't know who's going to stay and who's going to leave. And I see a lot of people feeling very safe. And they say, okay, I'll drop it next year. I'll drop it next year. And 10 years into it, they didn't drop anything. Yeah. And the minute they drop, they tell you, oh, I wish I did this 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. So, so you started with, with no insurance then?
1: No insurance.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's really, really good. So then when did Oryx come into the picture?
1: Oryx came into the picture when I was pregnant with twins and had to be on bed rest. Yeah. Uh, and I had associates that were doing great in the practice. But the minute I was not in the practice, we started losing $100,000 a month. And it wasn't really fun being on my hospital bed. And I was
0: like, and stressing out, stressing
1: yeah. out what's going wrong. Uh, and I realized a lot of the systems were just in my head. So I started getting this, so she isn't go, going over cases like, Why did we do this? Why didn't we offer scaling for that patient? Why did we do a filling when the tooth is obviously structurally compromised, has a huge restoration? And we started going over this and I'm like, there must be a better system. Uh, And having gone through the COIS center, there is a risk assessment that you do for every patient. So I started implementing these ideas like every patient that comes in, we look at the restoration, we measure it. Is it half the intercuspal distance or more? Anything there is more, I want you to highlight it in red. And that means it's a crown or an onlay. Any patient that is periostage two that has diabetes, I want them highlighted in red. And we started creating the system that is all evidence based. Mm-hmm. And this is how we created our treatment plans. But then it was really hard to do it manually. And my husband is a software engineer. Mm-hmm. So I asked him to code a few forms for me. Uh, And this is how Oryx started from these forms.
0: Oh, man. So Oryx started, you had three practices still, right? Yeah. And you were having twins. Did you ever, or when did it hit you where you're like, I'm burning out? Like, I need to, I'm not even with my kid, or I am, I'm not, what's happening?
1: I mean, through it all, like you're losing a lot of money. We started losing all our savings. It's very stressful. Where do you go from here? I mean, it started getting better when the associates were coming, when I was reviewing the treatment plan. And I'm like, now I'm going to have my twins. I don't have time to care for them to, to babysit my associates on the time. We should have a system that works even if I'm not in the practice. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I love John's approach to, uh, to dentistry, how he makes it so easy to come up to the right diagnosis and treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, um, so I approached him. And I'm like, John, I'm using your stuff. I'm going to create a software that is a clinical decision support mm-hmm. system that guide dentists to make the right diagnosis and treatment plan. And he liked it. He joined me on on the Oryx venture. Um, so is he
0: one of the founders too or no? Yeah. He, You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. I yeah. co founder. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's wow. part of the board. then.
0: okay. Okay. So then let me ask you that. Like, you're making it. You're making Oryx, right? And I'm sure you're upgrading it, still m- making it, or not still, but like back then, you're right. Your practice was getting a little bit better, right, you said? Yeah. Because you're reviewing you're, you're it. Did you ever hit a burnout point where you're like, I, what made you sell it?
1: A month after having the twins, mm-hmm. or a month and a half, and remember, I was on bed rest I, for like yeah. six, seven months. Like I could barely walk after that. Mm. I had to be back in the practice. Um, and it was just traumatic. So you don't sleep. You go to the practice. There's so much going on. I'm thinking about Oryx. Mm-hmm. A lot of things align. But the, the thing that made me want to sell is I got pregnant again. Okay. And I'm like, okay, now I have to go on bed rest. And the idea of Oryx and all of this was picking up and was taking a lot more of my time. Um, and at that point one of the associates that came and worked with me was Perio Pros and he showed interest in acquiring the practice. And I thought to myself, I would never find someone with these qualifications because I I really wanted my patients taken care of. Mm -hmm. And because of the level of dentistry we were doing, it wasn't a practice that could be picked up by a new grad or Yeah. Or anyone.
0: They couldn't perform. Okay. So that's interesting. Did the practice feel Different. Like, I know it's something you've created, something you're like, yeah, we're working. This is my environment. This is my brand. Boom. You get pregnant. Right. And then now you're six months in bed rest and then you come back and you're like, did you have a feeling where you were like, I don't know this place anymore? I don't I don't it doesn't feel right.
1: To be honest, my patience made me feel very welcome oh. when I came back. Mm-hmm. Like, my mother-in-law was visiting, was helping us. And she was like, oh, my God, how many gifts are you getting every day? I would come. Like, everyone was so emotional about the journey, about mm-hmm. the bed rest. My patients were just coming to see me with flowers, with gifts. And, like, I had this great connection with the patients. So, it felt actually good to be back.
0: You know, that's nice. You were in bed rest because of complications or...?
1: Yeah, I had the short cervix, so.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Rania, you speak about these things like as if like everybody goes through it. No, not really. Like you've gone through a lot of grit. That's a lot of grit you're going, you know what I mean? Like you're, you had to push, push and push and then, but at the same time, let's, let's, let's make a software. Let's make another, you know what I mean? And you kept, why?
1: The practice management software in my mind became a necessity. And to be honest, I started this thinking, I only want a clinical management software. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to make it very easy for every dentist to come up with the same diagnosis, same treatment plan. It shouldn't be that hard. And the very rewarding points in my career, like everyone remembers something, were uh, collecting a great medical and dental history, like I was taught at the Quay Center, where We had some red flags. We referred the patients. And I mean, sadly, they ended up having cancer, but Mm. it was caught very early because of our medical history. And they were so grateful for that. And like every patient experience should be this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started researching all of it a bit more uh, like a diabetic patient. If you're doing the cleanings properly at the right intervals, if you were managing them properly, would cost... $2,000 Uh, two thousand dollars for the medical insurance instead of nine thousand a year, and like what we do has a huge impact on healthcare in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what I was really excited about that every dentist can do this, and they don't have to think about it too much. And when we created Oryx, like you go through a seven minute examination, the software gets you a report that explained to the patient. Uh, how they're doing with their gums, with their teeth, with their bite and jaw joint, and their smile. And the patients get interested, and now they're asking you about their treatment instead of you telling them, you need a crown, you need this. Now Mm -hmm. we're telling them. You have a tooth that is structurally compromised that is weakened. It would be better protected if we put a crown. Mm -hmm. You have an associate that doesn't have great verbal skills. All of it is written for the patient. So I figured that if we could give that to the dentist, it's a great tool. And also it's protecting the patients because you're not missing anything. You're looking at all the conditions that they have.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then I know in your lecture or your talk, you spoke about you got someone on your team who was high level.
1: Recently, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so the clinical management software, we realized that All the pieces have to connect in a certain way. Uh, And I was very naive to think, oh, it's so easy to create a full practice management software. How how hard could insurance be? It turned out to be like extremely hard. (laughs) But it took like two extra years just to get the insurance part and all of this right. And everyone was pushing me to go to market super early. And I'm like, I know what dentists need. It has to be a great software. So anyway, we went to market. It was good. It was a good success. And we started growing fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got to a point where we have to manage that growth. And I, I said, I want a great leader. I mean, in dentistry, we have. You can't get better than John Coys to be your partner. <laughs> yeah. And I asked my husband, out of everyone you've worked with in Silicon Valley, who do you recommend to be a leader for our company? And he said he gave me two names, and I liked the guy named Drake Rick, Rick Collison. I went on his profile, and I'm like, "That's my guy." And my husband said, "No, you can't get him. One, he's retired. Yeah. Uh, and two, he wouldn't join a company our size." I didn't believe my husband, of <laughs> course. Yeah. I don't. You don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. And I went and uh, I asked a friend who's a rec- who's a headhunter for. Um, for executives, and she said, you can't get someone like Rick uh, because, like, he's someone that was one of the early employees of Next, worked with Steve Jobs. He's an executive at SAP. He took a whole industry, the procurement industry, from on-prem to cloud. He managed the account for Nestle, Google, Walmart, Mercedes, all the big names. She's like, every company wants Rick. You can't get him. Anyway, I I got I got on a phone call with him like that didn't deter yeah. me. I'm like, no, I'm going to get him. Like, now you convince me he's the right person. Yeah. So we get on a call and he starts by I'm retired or on sabbatical and I'm liking it. But I'm willing to give you advice. I'll help you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I tell him about our industry and he's like, "Man, you're 10 years behind."
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can't like Really, like that many on prem software? And I said, Yeah, I told you. And he felt sorry for us, <laughs> for our industry. Um, and I was going to Dykema, uh mm-hmm. that same week. And I'm like, Rick, I know it's crazy. Why don't you meet me at Dycoma? And you're going to meet so many people. You're going to learn about the DSO world, about the single dentist world, um, and you're going to see how our industry works. When he went, he said, Okay. I realized it's a big challenge, and he likes a challenge. It's a broken industry. But he saw how dentists are so passionate about doing the right thing, and that got him really excited to join us.
0: And so he joined? He He joined. Wow. So he is the? The CEO. CEO of Oryx. And you are then, the So
1: I was president and CEO. Okay. He became the CEO. I'm like, if I want to fire myself, yeah, yeah. it better be an amazing person.
0: Yeah, it has <laughs> to be someone really, really good. Wow, okay. So when did he come on board? A month ago. Wow. So it's been, and how have you seen since a month ago it, the trajectory of Oryx?
1: You know, uh, I told a friend it was like playing soccer with the wreck, and now going to the Travis team, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the like, pro team. It's a different league.
0: <laughs> okay. uh,
1: and, and I could see the structure. And, you know, it, it made me think that sometimes when you hire a consultant for your practice, I mean, you know, there's great consultants and there are really bad ones. Yeah. Some consultants are similar to Rick where they have the structure. They get you organized. They get you focused. They get you on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in 30 days, he was able to understand all the issues put us on a great trajectory for growth, prepare us for the next phase.
0: What's, if you don't mind me asking, what's the next phase?
1: Big growth. (laughs) So so our idea is the perfect practice. We're in the software business, but what we're really in is allowing dentists or giving the opportunity for dentists to have a perfect practice. And that goes from marketing uh, to collecting their money very efficiently to procuring products the way it should be done. So that's our big vision.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And I think with having a great clinical person like John and having a great cloud leader, uh, we're set for success.
0: Nice, Anya. So I wanted to ask, you have a lot of like, from just speaking right now, right? I feel like you have a lot of, uh, oh, don't tell me no kind of thing, right? Like determination, I guess is the word, but... Like I said before, Grit, at the same time, there's a lot where, you know what I mean? Like, you could have told me all that and I'm like, you're right, I can't get him. Let's look for the next person, right? But you're like, oh my God, I love him even more. Like, let's get him, right? That's exactly the person I need. So I guess the never giving up part, where does this come from?
1: I think just personality, maybe. I mean, I always think in every situation I'm in in my life, I think, what's the worst case scenario and can I live with it? If the worst case scenario is rejection, it's not that hard. I'll learn something out of the process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like what's the worst case scenario? I'm going to try this and I'm going to lose $100,000. Is it going to affect me too much? Or maybe sometimes it's $10, but it's not
0: worth yeah. it.
1: So, so I always like to put that worst case scenario. If I want to try this feature and I lose the money, am I going to be very angry or am i going to be happy that I tried it?
0: hmm
1: And I think, like, growing up in Lebanon and living through wars and being displaced so many times gives you that kind of resilience.
0: How close was the wars?
1: Very close. Really? Yeah. Like, I think I was, and now I think of my kids, and it's crazy that I exposed them to some of this also, not willingly. So when I was probably seven or eight is when I saw that person, like, laying in blood in front of me
0: because of a, like a
1: because of an explosion and where were
0: you were you just outside or, or
1: uh coming back from school oh man and the bus stopped and I'm like why is why is there all this panic and we look and my brother is telling me, don't look that way and I'm and I and of course I look
0: weird <laughs> man and then that's when you saw
1: and yeah, and I saw that person and it was traumatic and we had to go in a shelter and be there for a few days straight, uh, like no light, no entertainment whatsoever.
0: Yeah, we're just sitting there uh, with family sitting too sitting or no? Just sitting there
1: with family and I mean, it was a bit of fun when you're a kid because you have all the neighbors, but then it's two hours later. Yeah, you're really, like, I'm
0: hungry, yeah, and all these things.
1: <laughs> it's not fun anymore. So, So we lived through that and then... When the big explosion happened in Lebanon two years ago, we were there for the summer.
0: You were there. Kids
1: were there, and it felt like a huge earthquake. And my my kids are still a bit traumatized.
0: So, forgive me for asking, but like when that happened two years ago, did you immediately go back to where you you were a kid in the school bus, and you're like, oh my god, it's the same? To
1: be honest, that explosion was way stronger than anything you imagined. Really. And I wasn't in the same place as my kids. And all you're thinking, like, my kids, my kids, what happened to my kids? And they were a bit closer to the explosion sites
0: and they felt it. They were, man. So that's tough, Rania. That's tough, like growing up in that and then bringing it back and your kids are having to go through it again. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So so I guess (laughs) for you, like, to go back to your question if I'm alive, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it is, it is. Like
1: we're starting from, from a good point And what do you have to lose? Like when you see people losing so much, you're like, what would you lose? A yeah. year or some money? It's manageable. Yeah, you're like, it's manageable. You, you, begin,
0: <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, yeah, compared you become to,
1: more of a risk taker, I would say.
0: Yeah, compared to living back there. But I feel like that also puts a lot of things in perspective for you. You get better at making decisions, I feel. Although you may think you're not but you are. I bet you you're way better at making decisions than like I will ever be because of what you've gone through and the process that you go through where you're like, is this the worst, what's the worst case scenario? You know what I mean? Kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And in a way, I mean, it teach you weird things. When I first met my husband, he found like maybe $5,000 in cash in a closet. And he's like, are you a drug dealer? And I'm
0: like, <laughs> uh, yeah. is
1: this your side hustle? Yeah, you're like, you found out. And um, and I was still working as an associate. And I'm like, no, don't you have money? And he's like, why? Like, if you need to escape. He's like, what are you escaping? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, in my head, my parents always had like this patch of money because if there's war there is erupting somewhere and you have to flee very quickly, you have to have cash in hand. So, like, some of these things stay with you. Yeah. And now I don't feel safe. I, I don't do it anymore, so don't break <laughs> into my house.
0: <laughs> Nobody go into her house, please. No, but and it's it's refreshing also, like, not refreshing, but it's just you kind of talk about it with, like, humor. You know what I mean? Positivity or, like, an optimistic side instead of being like, I had to stash money away, you know? But you're optimistic about it.
1: Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. I mean, when you're alive,
0: yeah, <laughs> after yeah. all
1: of this, it's, it's a good thing. And, you know, John, uh, John Coyce had through a lot of, I mean, not as traumatic, but still a lot of traumatic stories. And he would always say, it could be worse. It could be worse. And I think we have that same mentality yeah. that we always look.
0: It could be worse. Yeah. It could be worse. Wow, man. So all this, all of this, everything you've gone through has created Oryx. Right.
1: In a way, yes. In a way,
0: yeah. Well, it's created you, and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it puts you where you're at right now. And then Oryx is now, for those who don't know, real quick, if you can, break it down to us in the most simplest terms. What is Oryx?
1: So, Oryx is uh, a cloud practice management software with a very strong clinical component. It's created by dentists for dentists. It's the only software you need in your practice. So, it does everything from online booking on the way to automating the process of sending your insurance claims, getting paid, invoicing patients, all of it.
0: Nice. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I know in the Mastermind, you guys are going to do like a whole demo, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be really, really good. I know they're all excited for it too as well. So that's going to be fantastic. Rania, thank you so much for being with us. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Uh, yeah sure uh, rania at oryxdentalsoftware.com
0: awesome and then guys that's going to be in the show notes below so make sure you go in the show notes below and reach out to Rania pick her brain ask her if she still stashes money and then like, where do you live? no I'm kidding awesome so Rania thank you so much for being with oh, us it thank was a pleasure having you
1: for having me <laughs>